Good morning. Good to see you all this morning. You're probably expecting me to say turn to the book of Acts, but we are not. If you would turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah. Isaiah 55, page 731, if you want to follow along with a pew Bible. Isaiah 55, page 731. We're going to have to come back to our series in the book of Acts. I thought I could finish before Advent, and I couldn't. So we'll have to come back to it at a later date. Today is a special Sunday for us in the life of our church because today is Christ the King Sunday. You may never have heard of Christ the King Sunday, but it's actually the last day of the Christian year. There's a Christian calendar, not just a calendar that runs January to December. And the Christian calendar starts with the first Sunday of Advent, which is actually next Sunday. And Advent begins the Christian year. It moves to that time of remembering that the appearing of Jesus in human history that takes us to Christmas Day. But Christmas is not only a day, it's a whole season. The Christmas season takes us to Epiphany, the unveiling, the revealing of who Jesus is as the Messiah in the beginning of his ministry. Epiphany takes us into Lent, that old English word meaning lengthen, the 40 days that we prepare ourselves for Easter, the Easter celebration. But Easter is not only a day, Easter is a season. It's called Easter Tide that takes us all the way to the day of Pentecost when we celebrate the Spirit coming on the church. Then after the, spirit, uh, the, the day of Pentecost, there's a whole season called Kingdom Tide where we're celebrating the growth of the kingdom throughout the book of Acts. It takes us all the way to All Saints Sunday when we remember the martyrs and the saints who have gone before us. And then to this Sunday, concluding the year, Christ the King Sunday. But I'm sure you knew all that, right? But Christ the King Sunday is important, and it's important for us not only because it is Christ the King Sunday, but because one year from now, we're going to conclude a journey that we're actually starting, if you will, today. We're going to officially start it next Sunday, and that is a journey that, we, uh, that has been called, that we're going to take, called Life Along the Way. I'm sure you've heard about this. If you have not, Life Along the Way is we're going to spend a year studying, walking through the Gospels of Jesus. We're going to journey through Jesus' life chronologically with daily readings. There's a family devotion guide that we would like for you to pick up. It's out in the atrium as well. You can get that electronically in an ebook. There's a website where you can set up an email if you would like to do it that way. Our Sunday school classes and Sunday morning groups are going to be teaching the four legs of this journey. Uh, the first leg is around the come and see and follow me passages that Jesus says throughout the Gospels. And then we see the miracles of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, then his final week and words. So our Sunday school classes are going to be taking this journey with us. And I'm so thankful for them for that. And again, just so we're clear, I want to encourage you, please go out to the atrium. Uh, you can receive your material today, a physical book if you would like that. For those of you who are already pre-registered, uh, you can go ahead and get in the express lane. I don't know how express that is, but good luck with that. I think it'll speed you up a little bit. But you can also register today as well. That just requires a name and an email address, and you can receive that book physically. Again, get electronic materials as well, because we kick off. Our first reading is next Sunday, and we're going to kick this year off. If you're not in a group, right now is the perfect time to join one. Matter of fact, if you're here and you're in a Sunday morning group, please, if you know someone who's not in a group, invite them to be a part of your group. If you're not in a group, you know someone who is, invite yourself. It's okay. I give you permission. Invite yourself because we want to journey with others as we go through 
this next season together. And being Christ the King Sunday, uh, I think it appropriate that we begin this journey next week reminding ourselves who the king really is. And that's what today is all about. It's about celebrating that there is one king of kings and one lord of lords. There's just one who rules over all the rulers of the nations on this planet, and that is King Jesus. The question I want to ask, though, is how do we approach this journey, this year-long journey with Jesus? How do we do that? Because we may be thinking, is this just another demand on my time? Is this just another commitment that someone is asking me to make? I I think the journey is something different. Uh, What if we are being called? What if we are being given an invitation to something deeper and yet something simple? Uh, What if we're being called to something powerful yet something fundamental in our life? What if we're being called to a season as a church family, a season of intentionality, a season of intentionality, to, a time to rekindle the love that we have for Christ in a world that's pulling us in a thousand and one different directions? What if this is a year for us to intentionally, hear me parents and grandparents, intentionally disciple our children and our grandchildren? as we ourselves are being discipled. That's what this year could be. That's what this year, this life along the way could be. And here's the truth. The truth is every day we face a danger. We face the danger of of leaving something, of abandoning something. Every day we face the danger, uh, I'll call it the danger of becoming Ephesus. Remember Jesus' words to the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2? Revelation 2, starting in verse 2, Jesus said to the church in Ephesus, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. All of these are words of praise from Jesus to the church in Ephesus. But verse 4, Jesus gives a warning. The warning of verse 4 is this. But, Jesus says, I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. You have abandoned the love you had at first. You've been contending for the faith as a church, yes, but have you lost, as some of your translations say, your first love? Some of you may find yourself there today. Some of you may be there right now. Some of you may find yourself in that place where the the passion that you once had is just, just not there. You find yourself spiritually lethargic in some way. A fire that once burned brightly seems to be burning out. That may be where you are today. You may find yourself indifferent to the things of God, even as you sit here in this pew or watch on television. What do you do? What do you do in those moments when it feels like the flame is burning out? Here's what Jesus told the church in Ephesus in verse 5. He says, remember therefore from where you have fallen. He's not saying remember the fall as much as he's saying remember where you were, from where you have fallen. Remember your roots. And then he says repent, which means to turn back. He says turn back and do the works you did at first. Now notice he said do the works 
you did it first, but they had abandoned their first love. Now he's telling them to do some kind of work. What is he speaking of? There Jesus is giving that invitation for the church to once again engage him, to look to him, which is the very first thing they did. Whenever we come to faith in Christ, the first thing we do is we look and we see him for who he is. And and Jesus is saying to the church, come back and look to me once again. Set your eyes on me. Behold me. What if this season that we're going into over this next year is an opportunity for us to look back again? What if this is a season for us to return to the beginning so that we can move forward into the future? What if this is a time for us to once again read through and rediscover the humble beginnings of Jesus, his ministry, his teaching, all the way through the pain of the cross, through the victory of the resurrection, to the establishment of the church? What if it's time for us to take that journey again. Now, you may be sitting there and you may have been hearing about life along the way for weeks now, and you may be asking the question, who is this series for? That's a good question. I'm so glad you asked. The question of who is this series for, I think is a good one. I think it's for those who want it, who want to take this journey, but it's also for those who who don't think they need it. I think the journey that we are going to take as a church is for those who desperately want to learn and grow and how to live out their faith. They want to know that. They want to step into that. But also, this time for us as a church, it's for those who think they have their faith all figured out. I think it's for all of us. I really do. I really do. See, Jesus has a way of surprising us, of catching us off guard and teaching us things that we did not previously know. All the while, he continues to mold us and shape us into the person that he died for us to be. My big question as we approach this series is, how do we or how should we, how do we or how should we approach this year with Jesus? This year of being intentional, of studying and reading about his life. This year of being intentional, not only doing individual readings, but doing family devotionals, doing lessons in Sunday school, sermons on Sunday. How how should we do this? Should we just buy a new Bible and a fresh set of highlighters? Well, you can. That's a good thing. Maybe a new journal. That's a great idea. However, beyond the mechanics of that, I think there's one decision that's internal to us, and there's also an eternal answer that's very important for this series. For this year, there's an internal decision, there's an eternal answer. You already know the answer. The answer is Jesus. That's always a safe answer to give in church when you're asked a question, right? Just give the answer Jesus. There was a boy one time who was in church and he came down front for a children's moment. The pastor is there with other kids. He comes down front. The pastor asked the group of kids a question. And the question was, what has brown hair? It has four legs, a tail that helps it keep balance. It runs across fences, up trees, up light poles, and it eats acorns. Little boy in the back said, Jesus. (laughs) The pastor said, that's a really good answer, but what has brown hair, four legs, a tail that helps it keep balance, it runs across fences and up trees and light posts and eats acorns? Well, that's a squirrel. And the boy said, well, I know you were talking about a squirrel. I just didn't think you were dumb enough to bring us all down here in front of everybody and talk about squirrels. <laughs> the answer should be Jesus. I got that one from John Ed. He's sitting right over here. 
The answer should be Jesus, and it is Jesus. Matter of fact, Jesus is the answer to Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah 55. Verse 1, the invitation here, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come and buy and eat. Notice that. How do you buy something you cannot afford? That's the invitation here. It goes on, come, buy wine and milk, not just water, wine and milk, without money and without price. Not only how do you buy something you cannot afford, how do you buy things that are beyond your basic necessities when you cannot afford the necessities? That's the invitation. How do you do that? Well, the answer is Jesus. It was Jesus who said in John 7, 37, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Jesus is saying there, I can give you what you cannot afford. I can give you blessings beyond your needs. See, Jesus is the one who gives us an abundant life that we cannot buy for ourselves. He fulfills Isaiah 55 verse 1. Notice verse 2. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? He's talking about bread and being satisfied. How do we do that? The answer is Jesus. John 6, 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. They'll be satisfied. Jesus is saying, I'm the one who can satisfy the hunger that is in you that will not go away. It will not go away. The verse goes on. He says, listen diligently to me and eat what is good. Delight yourself in rich food. Verse 3, incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. How do we do that? How do we listen diligently to the Lord? How do we incline our ear? How do we hear that our soul may live? How is something as simple as listening and inclining and hearing, how can that produce life forever life, eternal life in us. The answer, it's Jesus. John 5, 24, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. Listen, incline, hear, listen, incline, hear. That's what God is inviting us to. You know, we spend much of our life trying to block out noise, don't we? Spend much of our life trying to block out noise. Sometimes it's the noise around us. Sometimes it's the noise around us. You know, we're we're a country of over 330 million people. Last year alone, we sold 108 million sets of headphones. Because we like to block out the noise around us, don't we? We like to get in our own bubble. And have something to distract us. Sometimes the noise we want to block out is the noise within us. Sometimes it's the echoes of past guilt or the shouts of present shame or some future fear. Sometimes the noise we're trying to block out that's going on within us is the fact that we find our aging bodies creaking a little more than what they used to. Sometimes we can't turn our minds off. Our minds that seem to keep going and keep going and keep going. Sometimes the noise within us that we try to block out are the hunger pains and growls, the thirsting that our soul has to live. It's there. It's there. And yet the invitation of God is to come and listen diligently, to incline our ear to him and to hear so that we may 
live. That's what he invites us to do. It's interesting, that word listen and the word hear are actually the same Hebrew words. Listen means to understand what is livable through obedience. I understand what I can actually live out through my obedience because God does not command us to do something we cannot do. So I can live by the power of the Spirit and the blood of Jesus in my life. I can live out the way that he is calling me to live. And then he says, incline your ear. means to open wide, to be receptive. And then he says, hear. Again, same word as listen. To understand what is livable through obedience. He says, I want you to understand what is livable for you. I want you to understand what is livable for you. And right in the middle, he tells us how to do it. We have to incline our ear. We have to open ourselves wide and be receptive to what he says. But the question is, can we hear him? Can we hear him? Verse 6 of Isaiah 55 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. Let the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. That God may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. What amazing promises here. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Forsake, return, receive compassion, receive pardon, God says through the prophet Isaiah. How do we do that? Well, the answer is Jesus. Mark 6, 34, when Jesus went ashore, he saw the large crowd. He felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. He began to teach them many things. You know, I think Jesus has many things he wants to teach us. Right now, I believe there are many things that Jesus wants to teach us. The invitation that God is giving through Isaiah, again, verse 6, seek, call. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Seek that you may find. Notice that. You know that God is findable? God is findable. He makes himself known to us. The word seek there means you have to care enough to look for God's not in the business of hiding himself. He's in the business of revealing himself. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. God is not only findable, but he's close to you. He's near you. I love that two words in English, one word in Hebrew, call upon. Call upon. It means to invoke. It means to summons. It also means to read. To read. Every time we open up the scriptures, we are invoking God's presence in our lives. Every time we open up the scriptures, we are summoning God to speak to us in some way. We're asking him to reveal himself in some way. Seek that you may find. Call upon him while he is near. Why do we seek? Why do we call? Verse 7 tells us, Isaiah 55, because there's two things we need to forsake. We need to forsake our ways and we need to forsake our And when we do that, we receive two things. We receive compassion and we receive pardon, he says. And that's the invitation to us. Listen, incline your ear, hear him, seek him, call upon him so that you can forsake, so that you can receive his compassion And receive his pardon. Again, the question, though, is how do we do it? Yes, Chris, that's good. How do we do it? See, we have such a hard problem with this because we have a problem. 
And the problem is within ourselves. I told you today is Christ the King Sunday, isn't it? Christ the King Sunday. See, we listen, we incline, we hear, we seek, we find, we call, we forsake, we return, we receive compassion, we receive pardon when, when we dethrone ourselves off the throne of our own heart and life. That's when we do it. You see, there are my ways and there are my thoughts. There are your ways and there are your thoughts. You may think you're smarter than God. That's fine. That's your deal to work out. But there are our thoughts, human thoughts, human ways, and then there are the king's ways and the king's thoughts. And while God issues this invitation through Isaiah to seek the Lord while he may be found, to call upon him, to forsake our ways and our thoughts, to return to the Lord, to receive compassion and pardon, the very next thing he says in verse 8, God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Meaning Isaiah is not making this up. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. There's my way and my thoughts. There's the king's way and the king's thought. The question is, who do I let be king? That's the question. And that's our problem. The promise that's made to us is in verse 11. That when God speaks, his word goes out from his mouth and it shall not return to him empty, but it shall accomplish that which he purposes and shall succeed in the thing for which he sent him. That's the promise. The promise is that when Christ is king, his words are our marching orders and his purposes will be accomplished in us when he's king. And here's the byproduct of that. The byproduct of that is joy and peace. The very next verse, verse 12 says, for you shall go out in joy and be led forth in Peace. That's what happens when Jesus is king. When Jesus sits on the throne of our heart and our mind and our life, and we stop trying to usurp his, own, his authority and take it for ourselves. The result of that is joy and peace. But what happens in that moment is that his words become our marching orders in our life. And his purposes in us and through us are accomplished. So many times people say, Chris, I'm not sure what my purpose is in life. You know, you're, you're never going to discover it as long as you keep trying to rule your life. You got to let Christ be king. And that's when you find your purpose. And what comes with that is the joy and peace that only he can give. We're left with the question, how can I do that? Go back to verse 1. Isaiah 55, verse 1, first word says, come. Just come. That's God's invitation. This is the internal decision we have to make. Are we going to go to him or not when he says come? The answer is always Jesus. The question is, will we go to him when we hear the still small voice say, Come. I love that word come. It means to come and go as if on a journey. It means to take a walk. Sometimes the Hebrew word here for come is used to mean to die. 
the, issue, the, the, the invitation that's being issued to us to come, in many ways, it is a journey to come and die to ourselves. To come and die to ourselves and to let Jesus be king. You see, we have this paradox in our faith. Our faith is a faith of tenacity, right? Our faith is a faith that does not give up, that keeps moving forward, that, that there is no retreating in our faith, and yet to begin this faith journey with Jesus, we have to give up. We have to take ourselves off the throne. We have to die to self so that Jesus can be king. There can't be two kings or a king and a queen. That's how it starts. And again, that's the invitation that God gives to us. You know, my goal for this journey for us as a church over this next year, from Christ the King Sunday 2022 to Christ the King Sunday 2023, is not just some information intake for 365 days. My goal for us is that Christ would be king in ever-increasing measure over this next year, that he would rule and reign over our hearts more and more and more, and we would willingly let him. We would accept the invitation, because that's the question that's before all of us today. The question that we have today is actually not just about today. It's about the next year. I know you didn't know you were going to show up and be asked to make a commitment for the whole year because we haven't said anything about this. I know. That's a joke. But the question is, will you come? Will you come on this journey over this next year? Will you take the hand of Jesus in one hand, the hand of others in another, and will you take this journey? Will you come? Only you can answer that. But here's the thing. i got to be honest. The journey is going to be long. It really is. It, it, a year's a long time. I know it flies by, yeah, but, but it's going to be long. You're going to get tired. You're going to grow weary. And some, sometimes along the way, you're going to think, I just don't want to do this anymore. You know, that's okay. That's okay. Jesus had those same feelings when he died for your sins. And the Spirit of God has this way of sustaining us through those hard moments. And we look to Jesus who completed his task, and we say, you know, by the help of the Spirit, I can complete mine. It's going to be a long journey. I remember when I was 12 years old, I boarded a Winnebago in Birmingham, Alabama. You know what a Winnebago is? A motor home, you know? Some of you are like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Winnebago in Birmingham, we were making our way out west through Mississippi, through Texas, went through Oklahoma, New Mexico, made our way to Arizona. Longest trip I've ever been on in my life. I was 12 years old. My two cousins were with me. Justin's a year older. Jason was a year younger. My aunt and uncle were taking us on a trip. All right, three middle school boys in a Winnebago. You know, when you first walk in, you're like, wow, this is really big. Then you're in it for several, several days, and you're like, this is not that big, <laughs> right? It's a tiny house on wheels, and we have cabin fever. But here's the thing, when we finally made it to our destination, I remember getting out of that Winnebago after that long journey, walking about 150 feet over to the ledge and looking at the Grand Canyon. And it'd just take your breath away. And the long journey was worth the trip. Was worth getting there and seeing that moment. See, our trip, our journey is gonna be a little different. The title of this is Life Along the way. You see, I think God is going to give us wow moments, aha moments along the journey as we go through this year, not just at the end, not just 365 days from now. 
I believe as we take this journey, if we would accept God's invitation, he's going to open our eyes. He's going to give us those aha moments that's going to stir our soul deeply along the way. If we will simply and sincerely answer the invitation to come. And that's what I want you to pray about as we get ready to close out this sermon and this service. Are you ready to take a journey? Are you committed to taking a journey? Will you take the journey? As we as parents and grandparents disciple our children and grandchildren, as we ourselves as disciples grow and learn more about who Christ is. You know, we live with the Bible around us so much, sometimes we trick ourselves into thinking we actually read it. And this is a time for us to be intentional. It's an invitation, I believe, for us. And the question is, will you come? So, Father, would you help us answer that question this morning? Seven days from now, we start our journey together with our first text. But, Lord, would you help us in this moment with all sincerity hear your invitation to come to buy what we cannot afford, to receive an abundant life that we can never purchase for ourselves, to listen, to incline our ear, to hear from you, to seek you that we may find you, to call upon you, to forsake our thoughts and our ways because yours are so much higher, to return to you once again, to rekindle the love we have for you once again, to receive compassion and pardon. Lord, your word always accomplishes what you send it out to do. The result in our life is joy and peace. And Lord, that's what we want. But more than joy and peace, we want you. So Lord, would you help us come to you? I pray this in Jesus' good and powerful name. And everybody said.